Hi there, transportation-loving friends. It is I, Jason Luber, the anchor for, well, the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, ready to dive in to another episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast. And with me today, because the regular guy, Joseph Peters, he's out with some kind of a, a horrible illness of some sort, we have our number one favorite podcast listener. Nicole Brady, filling in. I won a contest, it feels like. I get to uh, fill in today for regular guy, Joseph Peters. He doesn't really offer a whole lot anyway. (laughs) So this might be a step up for us. We'll see. Because, you know, he's been shopping his job anyway. So, he, I mean, he's looking to get go to higher places and he bigger spots. He knows I'm and, after this job yes. already, so he is not going to be happy to hear me. Hi, Joseph. This might be an audition. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Nicole. Thank uh, you. And we'll have her interject, obviously, as Joseph does during the whole thing. Uh, but here's something that's annoying me here, uh, Nicole. Over the weekend, I was picking up my dry cleaning. And as soon as I walked out of the store, I see this woman, and she's pulling into the spot there, and she hit my car. She hit the, right in so, front of you. So, I, so I'm coming out of the store, and she is pulling into the space, and the front right side of her car hits my driver's side back bumper, the whole side there, the whole thing. I mean, even scrape part of the tire. I could see the car, my car move. You could hear that familiar <laughs> sound, you know? Uh, yeah. you, you know, you say, and you just know that I'm like standing there going come on why why is this happening to me i don't need this right now i have a car full of groceries and i just don't i just don't need the lady was nice enough she was a nice old lady a nice old grandma she she was very apologetic i i think actually she got out of the car she didn't realize that she did it until she was actually you know she did it and she stopped and i'm looking at her and she goes did i hit your car oh yeah yeah poor lady yeah you did now, I didn't call the cops. We're in a, some private parking lot. But I got her insurance information. I just took a picture of it. And I took pictures of the damage and of her car and my car and where it was. Mm-hmm. And, and just out of coincidence, I, I sometimes leave my car running because it's the electric one. And, and you don't, nobody knows that it's actually still running. And it's convenient for me just to leave it running. So, and, and th- but that means the dash cam was still on. And so when she hit the car, you could hear it. And you could see me as I came oh. out of the store. And you could see in the reflection of the glass from the business, you could see her pulling up and then hitting the car. So I have definite proof yes. of her hitting my car. Which is good for the insurance reasons uh, yeah. because too many people have it happen where the person yeah. leaves and yeah. they have no evidence of what happened. And so I was thinking at first, all right, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll just call some body shops and maybe... I'll, I'll, I'll handle this without insurance, and, and then I'll send them a bill. I'll go get some estimates. But I'll say, that's like too much of a hassle mm-hmm. for me. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to go shop around my auto repair and then have to send them a bill. And then they're saying, you know, go ahead and stick it because we're not paying you, jackball. And I, so I didn't want to deal with that. So I, I thought better of it, and I called their insurance. I first called my insurance company. Mm-hmm. I have insurance well, because it's cheap. Um, and so I called them, and they recommended – that I call their insurance company because it would get the process started mm-hmm. faster. They said they would do the claim or at least start it, but then basically they take the information, they call their insurance company, and then uh, I said, I'll, I'll just do it. I can do that. I'm a big boy. Well, is it bothering you that you have to deal with this hassle when it wasn't your fault? Yes! Is that what I'm hearing there? Yes! I, this, <laughs> is, this is so inconvenient for it me. Is. It is. I mean, you know, there's the phrase, it happens, yes. right? Yes. So, I, and I have to say, I feel like I have to admit something here, Jason. What's that? I hit... What? ...a trailer this past week. Yes, I'm the lady from your story. You hit... 
I a hit trailer. someone. I was okay. So here's here's the quick story. My car was in the shop, my normal vehicle. So I'm using my mom's car, and it doesn't have the backup camera that my newer vehicle has, which I've obviously become too reliant on yeah. because I'm backing out of. And this is the great part. I'm in the Dodge dealership where my other car is getting repaired. <laughs> I had gone there to Perfect. drop something off. I'm backing out of in the dealership. Oh, and one more layer. The guy there, the sales guy, had just recognized me from the news, which oh, nice. never happens. No one ever <laughs> yeah. knows who I am. But this guy goes, you're on the news, right? Yeah, hi, how's it going? <laughs> Great, okay, see you later, bye. I get in my car, back up, and I hit a trailer that belongs to the Dodge dealership. Oh, I man. smashed in my mom's rear taillight and the glass, and there's a dent in the trunk area. Yeah. Um, not, luckily, not too much damage to them, and they pretty much just waved it off and let me go. Oh, they did? Yeah, they just said, eh, we, th- there was really nothing wrong with their part, yeah. and they knew we had to come back to get the car anyway, so they said, oh, we'll talk to you later when you guys come back. Nice. And they let me go, but... Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do about my mom's car. Yet. You, well, I mean, see, it, now it you have does to require. It's the same thing. Yeah. But you're gonna have to decide now whether you're going to use your insurance and then pay the deductible and go yeah. get it, go get it fixed, or you'll do it privately so you don't even involve insurance, yeah. so you don't have to worry about the rates. Because exactly. I asked that about my thinking. instance. I said if I if I claim this on my insurance, if I if I insurance, if if I go the, through you, is my rate gonna go up? And they say possibly. Yeah. I'm like, wait wow. a minute, but I, I didn't, didn't even do anything. I was in a dry cleaners picking wow. up my clothes well, and some lady hit me. Your your bad luck. That's what the insurance agency will say. So I talked to the <laughs> uh, so she has Geico. I talked to the Geico people and he took my information. Well, it was first hard to get to them because they the, all their prompts for most companies are for customers. What's your number and you know who are you? What's your you know we're going to look up your thing. It's not, I'm, I don't have any business with you people except for this thing. And so it took a while to get to an actual person to tell them what was going on. Uh, so I, I, I'm still waiting. They said they were going to contact her and uh, figure out what to do next. And, uh, and it's been, uh, what, a, I guess a week or so, and, and I'm still waiting. Still waiting. All right. Still waiting and waiting. And You know, just be grateful for other things in your life. And that nothing worse happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to bring up something else that, that happened this past week. And it, it, actually, it actually happened locally here in Denver where our transportation agency, CDOT, uh, mm-hmm. they finally released some information about the plan to ease the congestion over on southbound 225, for that, that section from Parker Road down to mm-hmm. I-25. And the problem has been that the highway goes down from four lanes to three lanes to two lanes. You lose one at Yosemite. You lose one there at DTC Boulevard. Uh, but the trade-off here is what they're going to do is they're going to add a shoulder lane, a third lane. And, and the trade-off is the CDOT's going to put up this concrete barrier that will a- limit the access for one of the ramps from DTC Boulevard to go south on t- I-25. Okay, So a lot of folks in that neighborhood are really, really torqued off about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are, they're, they're just crazy about it. it. It's already a bit treacherous to do that, to cross over two lanes and then try to get over into that southbound 25 lane. And, and, but with three lanes, it would make it way more dangerous. Uh, that, I mean, that's the reason mm-hmm. for the barrier. But the neighborhood residents over there are, are just, they're losing their minds, Nicole. Losing their minds. <laughs> I got a hold of some of the conversations from the neighbors we're having uh, mm-hmm. on their Nextdoor app. It was a relentless beatdown of the engineers over there at, at, at CDOT. It was just relentless. Ouch. Personal, huh? Yeah. So their contention is that all the drivers 
which is about 6,000 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's how many uh, daily use, right, use that ramp. And, and not all of them go south. So, some of them go north on mm-hmm. I-25, right? So let's say 75% go south, which I think is high. So let's say 4,500 cars are using that ramp to go south. Uh, their contention is that they will be inconvenienced and have to go to use some other roads to go south on I-25, whether they have to go up to Hamden and turn around or use the side streets to go mm-hmm. to Bellevue or Orchard or Hamden or, or whatever the case may be. They never mentioned in all their ranting and raving is how many tens of thousands of other drivers are going to benefit from the lane change. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands versus a few hundred. Now, for me, on balance, that seems like a pretty good trade-off. Now, I don't live over there. I only occasionally use that that ramp. Let's say I'm over there at Micro Center, and and I want to use that ramp. Yeah, it would inconvenience me, so I'll have to figure out. I'd probably just go up to Hamden and and come back around mm-hmm. uh, if I want to go south. So it's really not going to be a, a huge impact to me. But those residents, they're just losing their mind. Well. Everyone has the right to complain about the things that will affect them, even if it will impact other people beneficially. But you seem to be upset about how harsh they're being about this. Well, yeah, because they are hammering. They're hammering CDOT right now, (laughs) hammering. I mean, they're really torqued off at their lack of outreach, their lack of understanding Mm -hmm. for their neighborhood concerns. And not taking into consideration the ripple effect of how this change is going to affect the, the the area roads for the worse, thinking that they have no choice just to bend over and take it, you know, uh, just pull their pants down and take what CDOT is going to give them. Uh, I, I'm not a CDOT apologist by any means, but the information was out there about this change. I've written stories. I've written, I've written stories over a year ago mm-hmm. about this change coming. We even did a big story before the press release came out. A couple of weeks ago about what was happening, but before there was any press release, nobody was talking about it. That's the thing. No mm. outrage. No complaining. But then when CDOT put out the official press release, all the other stations started running the story, and that's when the residents ah, started freaking out. So right this there. comes back to... The other stations. Well, that's the thing, and I think, yeah, yes. and I think problem is Channel 9. God <laughs> bless Channel 9 for having all that. We just sat through a, another research <laughs> meeting today where where Channel 9 is the, the ratings dominant station. It's just this. Just historically it's it just, is. It's yes. hard to overcome that. Yep. People just watch that station. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not a secret that they have the majority of viewers in town. I mean, just look at any of the ratings books, but there are other news outlets doing news. It's so unfortunate that it has to take that mediocre station to run a story for people in Denver to see it and, and hear what's going on. There's there's more than just Channel 9 when it comes to finding out what's going on in this town. I would argue that um, if people do want to hear about traffic-related news and projects, 7 would be the best one to go to because... You always find out about the projects well in advance and follow those as opposed to just doing your day-to-day traffic reports. So we do see that on our air more so than the other stations. Yes, thank you. Yeah, because good old Channel 7 here, we're doing those kind of stories. We're doing all kinds of great news stories. There's really good content here. We have a great product. In, In my opinion, we have the far best morning show in town. I mean, that's that's if we're in Colorado for that matter. In your the, humble opinion, yes, I mean, unbiased, it's the yes. Springs or Grand Junction. I mean, you could throw them all in there. Uh, our ratings aren't what we want. They're not what they are over there at Channel Nine. I, I don't know why. It's just it, it's just one of those things. It's a habit thing. People mm-hmm. watch their morning show. They their morning show is actually terribly boring, but people yeah. still watch it. They do. And when something happens, it seems like unless it, unless they do the story, it never happened at all. 
We yes, could all. That is I, very annoying. You're I've right. had a uh, photographer tell me that they were showing up in the Channel Seven live vehicle with Channel Seven all over it, and one of the first responders that was there, letting the you know certain cars in and out, said, "Oh, good, Channel Nine's here." Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh my gosh! That's the problem. Yeah, we get it all the time out there. We say if you show up in a news with a camera on you, hey, hey nine news is here. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same way in other cities with one dominant station yeah. that sucks up all the news ratings. And I think there are ways ways to crack the ratings, but it takes time, it takes money, mm-hmm. it takes the right people on air to really help crack those ratings. Uh, and, and the money. I mean, I think the money would be a big thing, not just spent on the promotions that we do on our own TV station, but outside promotions, guerrilla marketing, advertising, uh, sabotage. (laughs) How how about unexpected power outages? Let's try that. The daily fire drills. (laughs) I I can sure I can get an intern over there to pull the fire alarm a couple of times. The sugar-free gummy bear deliveries to the newsroom. What would that accomplish? Okay. Have you never seen the Amazon comments? On sugar-free gummy bears? <laughs> I right. have it. I'm right going to go do it. Just go to Amazon, type in sugar-free gummy bears, and look at the comment section. And it's like a, uh, a uh, well, it, it, horrible feelings in your in your oh, belly and your gut. Oh, and it, I get and it, it. gives you the overwhelming yeah. feeling that you need to spend days in the bathroom. It's the xylitol or the maltitol. It's, it's, it's that fake yes. uh, sugar thing they put in these treats now that, no, you are really not supposed to eat too much of that. Right. And yeah. so we well, send, no, I've, I've we send a there. couple of bags of those over there <laughs> as a friendly gesture. Hey, welcome to Sweeps, everybody. And then we send it to them and... And then they, you know, Ooh. then their anchors are, are you know, our Trojan disposed horse. I of like during. It. Yes, exactly. It's our Trojan <laughs> horse. I mean, there are ways to change the landscape. So, so back to the issue at hand. CDOT gets hammered by these neighbors for not reaching out to them uh, like they're supposed to knock on every door and hand out a flyer six months before they start any kind of road project. So CDOT, they held this Facebook Live event where they explain what the project is and how it is going to ease the congestion on the interstate. But they got hammered on that broadcast as well. They're, they're trying to make the traffic better for the majority, even though they have to make it worse for a few. Uh, I'm not in the camp of having the government do something or not do something, even if it's just going to save one life. So in other words, while this sucks for some people, it's going to help the majority of the people. So, so why not? Let's do it. But, but That's the, how decisions have to be made. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the NIMBY. It's the not-in-my-backyard mm-hmm. syndrome. It's alive and well in southeast Denver and really anywhere. It's, it's just a selfish feeling by everybody and... It's frustrating, Nicole. Well, I hope they have other things going on in their lives to complain that that, that not just this to complain about. Right. So, we well, taking a break? No, <laughs> not yet. Okay, no, you're still going. One, well, no, you're getting I, a little yeah, uh, because there's one thing sweaty. So I wonder. I am getting yeah. sweaty. I'm going to take my tie <laughs> off here in just a second. But one of our goals here at the Driving You Crazy podcast is to answer the important questions in life like this one, Nicole. Okay. Is it better to back into a parking space or go forward? Now, for you, it's probably better to back into it and then go forward because <laughs> it would keep you from running into trailers. I, I, no, I, I, I think forward is always good for me. <laughs> so. so is it better to turn headfirst into a parking space or take the time to park back in, facing out? Hmm. So, all right. Yeah, so I want to hear the argument here. Let's, all right. Here's, think, think safety. For both safety and efficiency purposes, the experts say it's usually best to back into the parking space. That's because having a wide field of vision is more important when you're pulling out of the space than what it is when you're pulling in, right? Because when you back Mm. in, it's into a defined space where people are not likely to be, when you pull out, 
You're pulling out into traffic, possibly into pedestrians, possibly into a trailer. Sure, technological advances like rear cameras like you rely on and those sensors that make beeping noises when you get too close to a person or another car or or the human-sized watermelon in the neighborhood kid uh, late when he lays out on the driveway there uh, as a prank, it, it makes backing out easier. But but the effect that those cameras have had on reducing accident has been gradual. I can't at believe best. you planned this conversation today and didn't even know about my accident. I did accident. not know about your accident. <laughs> or yeah, this is too head on. Yeah, okay. there's, <laughs> there's a lot more obstacles these days than you ha- that you have to look out for, like bikes and pedestrians and scooters and longboards and and trailers at a dealership. Yep. That makes back in parking more attractive because you can see the traffic when you pull out. I that totally makes sense. So continue. There's there's more to it, though. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, then there's the design debate. Backing into a parking space is often easier said than done. New or inexperienced drivers may feel uncomfortable trying to negotiate a prime backwards space, right? Mm-hmm. The, the rest of us s- simply feel pressure or hear the shrieking honks from traffic as it piles up during the process. Yeah. As backing in, it takes a few more seconds than pulling in front first. I'm curious if we all started doing this, how much longer the whole process would take. I feel like it would be longer. Probably longer. If it's if, around the holiday periods lot, and you're yeah. at a Walmart or at the mall, okay. something like but that. But not on a normal day. No, not think. on a okay. normal when day. When there's not too many people waiting or no one waiting for right. you. Right. Okay. You know, it is so much easier if you can find a spot where the space in front of you is also open. So then you can just pull through. Sure. Right? So that's, that's really easy. And although many parking professionals agree that backing into a space is the safer option, opinions vary on whether parking spaces situated at a right or acute angles are preferable. Because there's many parking lot designers that favor these parking spaces, or they have them like at the 90-degree right angle. Think of like uh, rectangles like you see at many mm-hmm. of the, the shopping malls, right, other large garages. It's partly because they're easier to pull through than an angle spot, but it's also because angled spots are simply too difficult for many drivers to back into. Sure. But, right? yeah, but are angled spots less likely to cause some of the problems with backing out in the first place? It seems like you might... Because you're getting more, do you know what I mean? When yes. you're when you're backing out of an angled spot, you have more room to kind of get straight into. You can see a little bit. The better. lot, yeah. yeah. So you just have that. So little they thing. seem to make sense, but How is, but some other parking designers counter that by saying the angled spots are the way to go for street and lot parking mm. because they are still more efficient and accommodate more cars, even if they're a little bit tougher to back into. But then if you back into it, then you're obviously facing the wrong direction. And while the experts may say that backing in is the way to go, not everyone is so quick to adopt the practice. The Washington Post recently opened a floodgate of comments (laughs) when it invited readers to comment on their preferences. It's a trend that irks me so much, wrote one reader, while another vented, it's maddening to be blocked from parking by people who are carefully maneuvering to fit the back of their car into tight parking spaces. But then one Washington Post reader made a practical point about jump-starting a car if your nose in and have vehicles around you, there's no way to jump start unless you have a portable jumper. But have you seen mm. the parking spaces over here, like over on 7th, mm-hmm. where it's actually you're supposed to drive forward and then you're supposed to back in at an angle? So when you pull out, you're pulling out into traffic. I it's see. actually designed yeah. to go past it a little forward bit, it. come yep. back, uh-huh. and then you can have the full field of view because you're driving right into traffic. So that's actually some parking designers are, are doing that sort of thing now, too. It's fascinating. I've never thought this much about why parking lots are the way they are and yeah. configured the way they are. See? But, you know, I think I just am going to start parking as far away from every other vehicle in a lot as possible. That might be a good idea so. for you, the way you drive. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Time for a little quick break. And when we come back, 
Uh, when you drive in the rain, do you always turn on your lights? Well, there's one place that now is saying you need to do that all the time. Anyway, that story and much, much more as the Driving a Crazy podcast continues. Listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. Here's a reason to watch Denver 7 every morning. We always have the latest information you need to help plan your day for your whole family. Uh, we've got a full team of reporters that are here around the clock all night long, making sure we can advance stories so you know how these things affect you and your family uh, that happen across. It could be a Broncos victory. It could be something about a road being closed or something that affects you and your kid at school. Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. The most fun that I have is probably when we get to cover weather because one, it changes all the time. And so it's something new literally every time we come on television. And then when we're telling people about the roads or about what's falling and we're really showing off kind of, this is what the conditions are for you to know where we are. Sometimes you can't help but throw a snowball or make a snowman or do something. And the photographers don't like it when we throw snow at their cameras, but we really do. And that's that's probably one of the most fun parts. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. So she says it's time that I be going on. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Libra, along with... Nicole Brady, Denver 7 reporter and anchor, and winner of the contest to fill in for uh, pedestrian advocate Joseph Lynch. I'm filling in today... Joseph Lynch? <laughs> Joseph, who's Joseph, Joseph Lynch? Sorry. Is that like an old boyfriend or somebody? <laughs> Who's uh, Joe? I'll, I'll leave that this. as a Who's mystery. Joseph? Oh, really? A, a mystery to our listeners. Uh -huh. find that Who out. is Joseph Lynch? It's not that interesting. Uh. <laughs> He's a former co-worker. <laughs> okay. Is he not okay, that interesting? Okay, let's just take this again. <laughs> no, no, we're not. That That is exactly, that's gonna actually going to be the Joseph name of the Peters, podcast. Joseph Peters. No, that's, the, uh, that's, that's what we're naming this podcast. <laughs> Who is Joseph Lynch? <laughs> now, Nicole, when you drive in the rain, do you always turn on your lights? Well, they come on automatically. Oh, right? see, well, there you go. Right, it's think, part of yeah. an automatic uh -huh. car. My wife, I always tell her, you know what? You, you can just leave them set on. You don't even have to turn it up, but yeah. she does it anyway. Well, there's a new law in Wisconsin that requires drivers now to turn on your headlights when weather conditions limit visibility. The Wisconsin State Patrol said that limited visibility means you can't see something 500 <laughs> feet away. 500 okay. feet, which is a little less than, let's say, two high school football fields. State Patrol said they've always recommended using headlights in poor conditions to keep everyone safe on the roads, and a ticket costs you 160 bucks. Seems like uh, government legislating common a sense little too, yeah. to me, right? Mm -hmm. All right, anyway. It's not unusual to have young kids on a school bus, right? I see kids as young as five getting on the school bus over All at... The time, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, what about the public bus or on the public train system? How young is too young for a kid to ride alone? Have you thought about that one? 
I ask this because I was reading a story about how a dad in Vancouver is no longer allowed to send his kids to school alone on the city bus. He started allowing his four kids, they're age 7, 8, 9, and 11, to take unsupervised trips on public transportation last spring. Now, the family, they, they don't have a car. He says he wanted to teach his kids about independence and sustainability. So he said he's invested countless hours riding the bus with the kids, coaching them, answering their questions, ensuring that they're capable transit riders, that they're comfortable with it. However, after receiving a complaint, the Ministry of Children and Family Development in Canada got involved with his kids, and they're no longer now allowed to take public transportation to school unsupervised. The letter he received says that until the children are 10 years old, they cannot be unsupervised in the community at home or on transit until the child is 12 years old. He or she cannot be responsible for the younger siblings. So that oldest sibling is a year away from being able to take responsibility. Right. Now, there isn't an official law in British Columbia, this is happening in Canada, with an age restriction. There are three provinces, though, that have laws on the age of when a child can be left unattended. In Manitoba, it's 12. New Brunswick is 12. Ontario is 16. And furthermore, the Toronto Transit Commission, it does not have a policy, and it's really up to the parent or guardian. Now, since this story went public, this guy has raised tens of thousands of dollars to sue the Ministry of Children over this issue. Many of the donations were from parents with their own stories of being scolded by the ministry over decisions such as allowing their kids to walk a few blocks to school by themselves. He is still working to choose one of the nearly 20 lawyers who contacted him in recent weeks to find a way to stop the ministry's involvement in deciding how he should raise his kids. Now, Greyhound, I checked with the, mm-hmm. I checked with Greyhound. Here in the U.S. They have a 12-year-old limit to ride alone. There's some outfit called Gobe to Bus, and they're similar to Greyhound. They have an eight-year-old limit. I've seen other transit wow. agencies around the country with either, either no age limit or restrictions for kids from ages that range from six all the way up to 17. Can't you, you can still get on a plane as a child, right, and be an unattended I minor? I think there is a with... limit between 10 and 12. Is that it? I okay. I think it's 12 to be unsupervised. Uh, I think what they do yeah. is they'll ex- escort you there. Uh, the flight attendants kind of look after you, and then off you go. But they, they don't really don't look after you. I mean, come on. Uh, but but sp- sending a 13-year-old still on a plane, there's a lot going on at airports for, for kids to deal with. Yeah. Especially at a big airport well, like DIA. Yeah. I mean, Nowadays especially, yeah. That's So I asked our local public transit agency, they're called RTD, and they sent me a photo from their bus driver's manual. I was trying so hard to get the whole copy of the manual, and they wouldn't give it to me. It reads, you are not required to transport unaccompanied children to distant points except on school service routes. Children under six years of age must be accompanied by an adult. Contact the dispatcher if you encounter a situation where a young child appears to be traveling alone or wandering around the bus stop. You may need to board them on your bus and keep them with you until a police officer or street supervisor meets you to take custody. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So they're putting it on the bus driver to determine how old this kid is and whether the kid looks like they're up to either no good or lost or homeless or running away or whatever. Which I thought was, was yeah. pretty interesting to put it on the bus drivers. And, and it's, it's hard for some because my, my daughter, who's um, six, she looks like she could be a little bit older. Um, when she was even four and five, she, because she's a big girl, she's a tall yeah. girl, she looks like she's a little bit older. But then there's younger kids, like kids that are in my, other, uh, my nine-year-old's class, who look like they're younger because yeah. they're so small. 
Yeah, I, I, I assume it's not a hard age limit and the bus drivers are given some discretion. Like if they sure. look young and they look like they maybe shouldn't be there or should have an, a parent with them, then stop them. So it really comes down to the question, is there is there a safe age to allow the kids to ride alone? And I think it depends on the child's maturity. Uh, uh, now, according to Sarah Dimmerman, she's a psychologist, she says when a child is 12 or 13... They may be able to start taking public transportation alone, but ideally it should be at first with a friend. She says it depends on a child's level of readiness. It's some kids are more aware of their surroundings than others. And the Canadian Safety Council says the general base age is usually around 10 years old for taking care of yourself, 12 years old for taking care of yourself and other children. So maybe that's what the babysitting age is 12, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So where you live can also impact a child's confidence in riding public transportation. Kids who live in a city may feel more comfortable riding a subway as they've been exposed to it all their life growing up. In Manhattan, you're going to be on the subway a lot or see the buses a lot, so you're, maybe you're more used to it. But kids who grow up in the suburbs without as much access to public transportation may take more time getting comfortable with the subway or the bus. They recommend the parents go on the route First with kids, they go they go together at least once or twice to make sure the kid knows how to handle those situations. Well, it seems like it would have to be situational, and I don't know the situation in uh, Vancouver where this story came from, um, what neighborhood they live in, yeah. how far they were traveling on that bus, or the family's previous experience with public transportation. Yeah. But I th like the point about letting your kids walk to school. What is more inherently dangerous about putting them on a bus than letting them walk. Because the bus will presumably pick them up from very close to home, right to the yeah. school. And when you're walking, when a kid's walking, especially a kid walking by themselves, you always hear these horror stories sure. of, here comes some creepy guy in the van oh, yeah. with, hey kid, I have this candy, and hey, you want to play some video games in the van? And Yeah, and yet we let kids walk right. to school, a lot, in, in many cases, and, and it's probably not very far, usually. Uh, but and, and in this case, the bus may be traveling farther away but i if the parent trusts the bus driver to get them there yeah and the bus goes on that same route every day and there's four of them together and they know what they're doing i don't really see any problem with that i don't either but i think what their their problem is that it's not a school sanctioned bus from point a right to drop off at the school that it's a city bus there anybody in the world can just get on the bus and then they're exposed to Whatever can be exposed sure. on the bus, because you know how there's there's I, I've ridden the buses here. I've ridden the fifteen. I mean, well, it, yes. there, there there are some there's but, some ugliness that can happen on Vancouver, these buses. But you've been to Vancouver, right? Oh yes. I mean, it's so clean. Well, it's it is so clean. beautiful. It's very are there but are there some, bad things that yes, happen in there Vancouver? Yes, there are bad things yeah. that happen. No, I know. In I've been to <laughs> worse areas of Vancouver too. Yeah. Uh, there would be huge liability if God forbid a youngster uh, on a bus got hurt, Kidnapped, got lost, yeah. kid, anything like that was exposed. Let's say. Um, you have Harvey Weinstein on the bus, and then that, that, that you don't want that. Let's say one of the kids got off at the wrong stop, and then and what suddenly would it's the bus driver's fault. Right, exactly. Yeah, I get that. And then the, I then the kid was attacked or whatever. I mean, something that. bad happened <laughs> like that. I think most of the agencies, since they serve mostly urban and lower income residents, would be criticized for re restricting the age of a passenger because then they would be not well, air quotes here not serving the community. In particular, to those poor families who can't afford a car mm -hmm. and have to rely on the public transportation. So, I don't know. It's an interesting question. It is interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think I will even let my kids ride the school bus. Yeah. My, I'm never my, letting them out of my sight. <laughs> my <laughs> wife usually does it. She drives them basically about, it's maybe once a month they get to ride the bus as, as a treat kind of uh. a thing. So, who hasn't thought, have you thought about traveling around the world? I, I've thought about it. 
I've actually oh, yeah. thought about there's that cruise boat that you can buy cabins on this on this I think it's called the World where you buy a the cabin cruise? and it goes around the world every I think 3 years. Wow. You actually own it. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I've always thought about traveling around the world and, and seeing all the great things there are to see, experiencing all the cultures. Well, it, it took 29-year-old travel blogger Henrik Jeppesen eight years and a lot of creativity to visit every country on Earth. Every single wow. country. Henrik estimates that he's hitchhiked more than a thousand times, slept on hundreds of couches and spare beds. He, he got food poisoning so bad. Uh, in one of the islands in the Bay of Bengal that he was ill for nearly six months. And once he had to sleep in a bus station in Niger. I, I've slept in airports. I've slept in... Oh, in I, 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 I just station, slept but... in the Seattle airport recently. Oh, you did? I'm How guessing was it? it was terrible. <laughs> and I'm guessing it was better <laughs> why, than Niger. Why was it so terrible? Well, they, they don't turn the lights off for you. Well, they yes. don't make it a comfortable sleeping environment. So, no, but loud li- uh, bright lights, loud noises. Yeah, that was the same thing in Orlando where they have the music going pretty loud, even though it's <laughs> classical music, and then every half an hour it's, the local time is 3.30. <laughs> Uh, thanks. Appreciate I don't think that. they want you sleeping in airports no. generally, and uh, don't don't make it a nice situation. But at times, Henrik says that it's been glamorous and ultimately life changing. He's visited dozens of private islands and five star hotels. He, he often these places sponsor him for free because of his travel writing blog and large social media following. And, and he says that he knows people in every country of the world, and, and it's been a great experience for him with 193 countries. 96 territories, 850 flights, and more than 3,000 days of travel under his belt, Henrik offers his picks for the best places to visit and dine. The one place everyone should visit before they die, according to Henrik, is the, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name. Maybe you, you I would me. too. No, so- Socotra? Yeah. Socotra I'll, I'll Island? Socotra Island in the Indian Ocean. It's right off the coast of Yemen and Somalia, so it's not the safest place in the world. He says it's like stepping into a movie with world-class beaches and very few tourists. Well, of course, because you're gonna, there's pirates that are out there. Because <laughs> it's near to, Somalia. During those waters. And if you go there, if you want real adventure, there is a, there's little in the way of luxury. I, I looked at this place on Google Earth. It looks extremely isolated. Hmm. It, it, it isn't very civilized. The beaches do look beautiful, but so do the beaches in Florida and Mississippi, from my from my point of view. So, yeah. He, I, I, how did he get to these places? I, he just went from place. I don't know. Okay. He, you know, I guess he hitchhiked and, and hitched boat, I guess. I, I doubt he swam to that island. No. <laughs> Henrik says the place he can't believe remains undiscovered by travelers is uh, Principe, I think it's Principe mm-hmm. Island. He says it's an island off the west coast of Africa in the Gulf of Guinea. I had to look that one up, too, on the map. It is just west of Gabon and Cameroon. He says that this spot combines great resorts plus beautiful beaches. It does look nice, but again, way off the beaten path. Not as easy to get to as Mississippi or Florida if you want to go to a beach. Henrik says the city or for, for city or town travelers, the places you shouldn't miss. There are two of them. Pasta, uh, I, I can't read. I can't talk. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce cities. Positano. Right. Positano, pa- Italy. Okay, <laughs> on the Amalfi Coast. The colors here are incredible, he says. And Queenstown, New Zealand, which has some of the nicest people in the world. That's that's according to him. All uh, right. I've, I've heard the Amalfi Coast is just gorgeous. Me, I've heard that as well. And my brother-in-law is from New Zealand, so oh, really? I have the in there. Uh, yeah, yes. He has the cool accent too, right? Oh, he does, yeah. There you go. Fun. Now, if you have five bucks to spend anywhere on Earth, 
What would you buy? Henrik says pizza from Gusta Pizza in Florence. If you had $100 to spend anywhere on earth, what would you buy? He says a night at the Misson Panza Verde, a hotel in, what, Antigua, Guatemala? I've been to Guatemala. That's an interesting place. Uh, the value for money makes it special. Uniquely decorated suites, the central garden with fountains, and a well-rated restaurant are among the perks, he says. I love these less expensive tips. Right. I'm going to follow this guy <laughs> for everything now. The best hotel on earth, the sing, uh, the singi, the singi, Singata? Singiata? I sure. Can, I no can. one else is going to know how it is. <laughs> anyway, it's in Tanzania. He says, unique design with food and service on a level or two above other African safari lodges. Imagine eating Michelin-worthy food in the middle of nowhere. The best hotel in America? The Glenmere Mansion in Chester, New York. Has he been to the Broadmoor? The Broadmoor is pretty nice. I assume he hasn't been to every hotel in the United uh, States. I, I, exactly. <laughs> He says it's a beautiful setting, world-class spa, and outstanding design. Well, the Broadmoor has all that, too, and it's just down the road for us. He says the best restaurant on earth, the Sam Hound Places in Amsterdam. What, what do they serve at hash or something? Maybe that enhances hmm. the food. He says the best place to visit if you're on a budget is South Africa. He says it's inexpensive, wow. a lot to do, cities like Cape Town, Johannesburg, world-class beaches, wineries, so, and, and I think they also have a lot of sharks that are just off the coast. And wow. So you can go and get eaten. I didn't. And <laughs> or just don't go that close to <laughs> or, the water. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I don't think sharks have learned to live on land. No, not uh, yet. The best place to visit if you're not worried about money, Greenland. The scenery is stunning. A place people dream of going and think they can't afford but really can, the Maldives. He says go in July and you can get deals on five-star hotels because they have trouble filling the rooms at that time. I saw one recently for 56 bucks a night. I, I was scared to look at the airfare because th that's a long way from here. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you're in that region, but, you know. I, well, I get... uh, you do hear that, though. You can, if, you, if you suck it up on the airfare for some of these destinations, you get a real cheap trip once you're there. It might, yeah. it might all even out. So. I can get 56 bucks a night in, uh, in Vegas. Yeah, but it's not the Maldives. <laughs> no, it's not. A lot of people go to Vegas. Yeah. So there you go. World traveler Henrik Jeppesen. Eight years of his life. Spending on nothing but travel. I was thinking That's about this. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh. Because, because I, I have a friend, a guy uh, I know well in college. He's done nothing but pretty much travel the world. He actually just he has his little Twitter feed. And I just saw another post of his this week that said he was in London and he was flying to Amsterdam for another one of these gem shows. He actually comes to Denver every so often for there's a big gem show here. He sells these stones. He makes jewelries. He's a deadhead at heart. He's traveled with the band. And when they broke up, he, he, he then traveled with the band Fish for a while. And, and he's really went all over the world. But the thing is, he's never been married. He doesn't have any kids. Mm, yeah, that's He doesn't really have tough. any possessions. So you have to go, what's important in my life? Getting married, having kids, having a family. Because you really can't move them all over the country. I guess you could, but... It's no, I, I think most travelers uh, have have to make that choice to some extent. Although you can, you can do it. I, yeah. my former co-anchor at my last station in Albuquerque was a huge traveler. I mean, it's his passion. That's what he'll be doing now in retirement. He just retired, but he had three kids and anchored the news in Albuquerque every night for thirty years, and still managed to travel and the took, world. Took the kids on everywhere, every opportunity, and he took the kids and he took them to weird places. They used to like to go see jails in countries oh, they neat. would visit, <laughs> just to get a real look at yeah. life there. And I mean, you can do it if that's what you want to do. See, I think on the surface, for at least a guy, 
I think guys are maybe better at at living on their own than than women feel comfortable mm-hmm. with. Um, but so so on the surface, it seems like a great life. But I, I mean, I was thinking, well, that would be good in some regards. Never having any kids. I mean, the love that I have and, and my of my kids and, and they have for me, it, it's it's irreplaceable. You know, I think that would yeah. weigh on my mind after a time. Like my younger brother. He and his wife, they don't have kids. They, have, they don't really move around or travel around a, a whole lot. They do some. He does for business, but they don't have kids. I'm sure that's weighing on him a little bit, I, I think, think uh, in the later years of your life, they'll, you know, they'll be with you always, yeah. and they'll continue to bring joy yeah. to, to our lives. And frustration. I feel the same way, and frustration. And all of that at but, the same time. But I, I feel that looking back on life, I that will be so important and, and rewarding and enriching in your life. And traveling to yes. a bunch of places would leave you with some good memories as well. But but it wouldn't leave you with somebody yeah. that you've created no, to take so. care of you when you can't change your diaper anymore. <laughs> and that's what we all will need someday. Because <laughs> yes. one thing I do is I love teaching them things. Just teaching them all. I mean, that's super fun because we were uh, winterizing the deck. And so I'm putting the... Um, uh, that uh, the sealer on the on the patio, and so my little girl, my six year old, she wants to grab the roller and start painting it on there as well. So, you know, I'm teaching her how to how to how to paint and how to seal oh, yeah. the deck. You're living a, a a new life and a new perspective on life every day, living it through them, and it's yes. it's wonderful. And uh, you'll take them places too in the world and get to see them enjoy them. Right. Oh yeah, I'll be able to travel. We've traveled I'm excited with them the whole that, time. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know. You know, that's <laughs> that's the joy of having kids, Nicole. And that's something that Joseph Peters and Joseph, whatever his name. <laughs> Lynch? Yeah. I don't know. Joseph he, <laughs> Peters might have kids here no, sometime. He, well, maybe sometime. We'll see. Okay. He, you know, I don't think there's any buns in the oven yet. Uh, at least that I know <laughs> of. He hasn't told me, but, that, you know. Let's wildly speculate have, about Joseph's personal life while he's not here. <laughs> he might have slipped one past the goalie, but I'm... I'm not sure they pulled the goaltender yet. Uh, anyway, that's, that's about it for this edition of the uh, Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you again, Nicole. I think you did outstanding. Oh, thank you. Filling in for Joseph. Thank you for Joseph for being sick yes. this week. We hope whatever that is that you've got there, don't bring it to us, but yes. get, get better soon. It's right. <laughs> yeah, but not too soon. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm Nicole Brady, the bad driver. <laughs> Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.